Thanks for listening to the LifePoint Church podcast. Visit us online at lifepointcentral.com. We've been doing this series, we'll wrap it up next weekend, called Blended. The word blend means that you take substances, you mix them together to produce something that's a, a harmonious effect. And in our culture today, it is a popular term to hear the phrase, a blended family. And I believe that God's taken people like you and I, and he's blended us into a spiritual family. Amen? He has this unique way of taking us with all of our, our junk and all of our past and all of the places we come from, and he blends us into one big family, and only, only God could do that. And, you know, you have family, and you usually say they're blood, but how many know we have the same blood? It's the blood of Jesus. As I was reading an article on how to successfully have a blended family, I, I read this article where a lady had three children of her own, and the man that she married had three children, and she said really the goal became not to be a blended family, but to be a bonded family. And I thought, you know what, that's really what God wants he wants to do more than just blend us together. He wants to create a family bond among us as, as his children, as the church, and as a local church. And the definition of the word bond is this. It's joining something together securely by means of an adhesive, by pressure, or heat. In other words, there, need to be, there needs to be bonding agents or bonding agents that bonds us together. And so we've been looking at those. In, in the first week, we looked at community, and we talked about how we were created to be in community, we're formed to be in a family, but we were never designed for disconnect. Um, if you were here last weekend, we talked about comfort. Really, comfort just means encouragement. We talked about we need to be in a place where we're getting built up. We need to be the kind of people that can get built up, and we need to be the kind of people that build each other up. So we're going to continue this series. Like I said, we'll, we'll wrap it up next week, but we're going to continue this one today. And I just want to say this to you. I, I know it's a holiday weekend, and, and sometimes our mind goes a lot of places, but I would like you to give me your full heart this morning, your full spiritual attention, because um, this may be, some of it may sound like something you've heard me say before. Some of it may be something that um, you hear, but I want you to hear it in your spirit because I believe it's, it's sort of a God-assigned, I mean, I always preach what God tells me on Sunday, but I feel like it's a God-assigned moment to share some of this with you, and if you will cooperate this morning, we'll do some damage to the kingdom of the devil. So let's read our text. This is Hebrews. We've been reading this every week. Hebrews chapter 10 says this, we come closer to God and we approach him with an open heart, and we're fully convinced that nothing will keep us at a distance from him. For our hearts have been sprinkled with his blood to remove our impurity. And look at this next phrase. And we have been freed from an accusing conscience. Aren't you grateful that God has redeemed you from shame and a cluttered conscience? But you know that you can be born again and God could clear your conscience, but there could be something we allow that complicates our consciousness. I'm going to talk about that this morning. Now we're clean, we're unstained, we're presentable to God inside and out. So now wrap your heart tightly around the hope that lives in you, knowing that God will always keep his promises. Someone say amen. Yeah. 
It goes on, it says, to discover creative ways to encourage each other, to motivate each other toward compassion, doing beautiful works as an expression of love. This is not the time to pull away and neglect meeting together, as some have made this habit of doing. In fact, we should come together even more frequently, and we should be more eager to encourage and urge each other onward as we anticipate the day dawning. So there's this whole concept in this passage of scripture that God says when you see the day approaching, that means a dangerous time, a deceptive time, a destructive time, a distracted time, that you and I are coming together as a local body, that we're coming together as believers, that we're coming together as brothers and sisters, as believers in Christ. The Bible says we actually need to make sure we're coming together. And how many know we've lived through a couple years where they tried to uh, make us do anything but that, and that's be separate. And so I'm calling us back to a time that we're reconnecting, we're being together, we're meeting together. We need to be in God's house right now. We need to be in God's house right now under God's word, under the umbrella of what God is doing because remember, we win. But there are times things can get on our heart and they can get on our conscience and it causes us to do the opposite of this, of this passage. Instead of being together, instead of encouraging each other, we're discouraged, we're disconnected. We got some things messing with our heart. We got some things messing with our conscience. We got something, and we, we fall out of the habit of really being where God wants us to be. And I want to talk about that for a few moments. That's why I opened up being, being so serious about um, giving us your heart. This, this past weekend, uh, some of you that were here, we introduced uh, Pastor Todd and Lisa uh, they are from Gateway Church, and we are, a, uh, we are members of the Gateway Network, and they've been a, a, a great source for us. We had a, a great time with them, and I'll just tell you what they said about y'all. They said, because they're in churches every weekend, they said it's not like this everywhere. They said there is excellence everywhere. God's anointing is here, and God's doing something here. So, so. Now, we're not competing with someone like, yes, we win. We're not, we're competing with the devil, okay? So we're, don't take it that way. But he just had a lot of good things to say, but um, spent some time with him, and he stayed over, and Monday, he, every time Gateway's in, we just do a, gate, we do a training with our staff, and honestly, we just opened it up to any church in the area that wanted to come, and our heart was just to help them. It wasn't about promoting us. It wasn't about promoting the network, and so we, we had, we had a, a good group here. Some churches responded, some didn't. A lot of stuff going on, that's fine. But uh, Todd had about 12 messages or teachings going on in him, and he didn't know which one he was going with. And I didn't know exactly which one he was going with, but when he, he took a, a drive Sunday afternoon to meet his wife's family in Charleston, and when he came back, he said, I, I just know God wants me to share on a certain topic on Monday, which he did, but he didn't know when he shared that on Monday, that was also my topic for Sunday, today. So I'm not sharing it because he shared it, just God's saying something. And so we're just going to be obedient to what God wants to do this morning. But he, he made this statement. He said, what happens in a local church is reflected spiritually in the region. He said, what happens in the local church or in local churches, is reflected throughout the region. He said, there's a pattern that you can see. And he made this statement. He said he really felt like God told him that in our region, he felt like there was an accusational and an offense or offensive spirit. A spirit of accusation and a spirit of offense in our region. 
And he, he said he, he talked on that topic because he's, he's from Charleston originally. Him and his wife were pastors there. So he said, I feel like I could say that and, and be accepted because he's not an outsider. And when he shared that, and he did a, an amazing job sharing with us, and I've ran into a couple churches that were here, and they just kept saying, man, that was so good. It was, it was so timely. And, and I think we see that in our area. I actually think we see it in our country, and I actually think we, we see it in our world. Everybody is just looking to be offended. Whether it's going on Facebook and waiting to be offended, whether it's being at work and waiting to be offended, whether it's sitting in traffic and waiting to be offended, it, we're just waiting to be offended. And, but boy, when it's true of the church, we, we need to take notice because it's a spirit. And I would like to take it, that spirit on. I would like to challenge that spirit. And I would like us to get victory over that spirit. Amen. And I think it's evident. We, we've seen church splits all around us. Seems like uh, for, forever here. Um, I, I thought I would just start off and take a survey. If you have ever been hurt by a church, would you raise your hand? If you've ever been hurt from within a church, would you raise your hand? Well, that's all of us probably. I, I remember being a young person and attending this church years ago, not LifePoint, but when it was another church in this facility, and watching, uh, they used to have meetings where they would reelect their board members and their pastors every two years, and they were having, I watched as a teenager, it almost turned into a fist fight in that, in that room back there, and watched the church split. That's not how God wants things. That tells me you and I get in the way of what God wants. We even witnessed that here a few years back. Um, that happened, and that's not the way God wants things. It's not how God wants things. Look at somebody and say, this is getting real. Now, I'm glad for the grace of God and the long-suffering patience of God. But how about we fix this this morning? Say, how do you fix it? Well, you take on a spirit with the opposite of spirit. When you can get revelation on something and you obey that, it'll break that spirit. That's a demonic spirit that's in our region that is opposing the work of God. And I say in the name of Jesus, it's time for it to go. But it doesn't go just because I say that. It goes because we all get in an agreement over it and we stand against it and we drive it out of our church and we drive it out of our area. And I'm, I'm, I'm convinced every time God goes to do something, this stuff gets stirred up. You know, when this stuff happened to us in 2014, I looked the other day, you know what I was preaching before all that happened? Unity. And loyalty. So if we're preaching on something, hello, let's hear it. If I'm preaching to you about financial blessing, God's about to do something. If I'm preaching to you uh, uh, about peace, God's about to do something. I don't walk up here and say, God, let's roll the dice on what we can preach this Sunday. It's like, what is God saying? So if he's saying this, hello, let's hear him now. Let's pass some tests. Let's get some victory. So, so community is important. Encouragement is important. But here's my title today. Confrontation is the challenge. Now, I'm, I'm talking about uh, God's family, but I'm also talking about this local family that, that uh, I, 
as a leader, I'm responsible under God's direction for. And so these are things God wants us to make sure that we're tightening up. Amen. So here we go. Confrontation is the challenge. So one adhesive is just not community. It's not, it's not comfort. It's actually confrontation. Confrontation means to bring something face to face. Everybody say face to face. How many love confrontation? Yeah, no one raised their hand. I don't like it either. But confrontation means we bring something face to face. It could be to oppose something, or it could be to reconcile something, but it, it, it means it's important enough that you bring it on deck and you bring it face to face. I'm going to read you a few extra scriptures than I usually do on a Sunday, but I want to contextualize this for you. Luke chapter 17, Jesus is talking, and he told his disciples this, it's impossible now, we serve the God of the possible, but he's saying here, something's impossible. It's impossible that no offense should come, but woe to those through whom it does come. It would actually be better if a millstone were hung around his neck and he was thrown into the sea than he should offend one of these little ones. Take heed to yourself. If your brother would sin against you, rebuke him. If he repents, forgive him. If he sins against you seven times a day, seven times in a day return in a day, returns to you and says, I repent, then you should be like, hey, I gave you three chances. Oh, that's not what it says. Actually, rabbis taught that three times was all you needed to do. And now Jesus is saying, hey, a little bit more than that. Jesus says, actually, seven times what? Seventy. And what Jesus was saying, not 490 times, because you might be like, there's that's oh. 489, one more time, it's on. That's not what Jesus is saying. He's saying in one day it's impossible, right? You, 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 for that many offenses, but as many offenses that come, we're supposed to walk in, in forgiveness is what he's saying. If they come and they say, I repent, you forgive him. And the, the, the apostles, their response was, got you, Jesus. No, what'd they say? Got you, you, you've got to elevate our faith. So that tells us sometimes dealing with offense and dealing with these things is an issue of what? Our faith. It's a big part of our faith. So Jesus says this. He basically says this. Let me put this in my own words. You are crazy if you think you're not going to have an opportunity in the house of God to in some way get offended. Because when you bring all different people from all different parts with all kinds of different paths and all kinds of thinking and all kinds of perspectives and you put them into a family, guess what? You, you, sometimes you might get offended. Now, in the Bible, there are two words for offense. There are actually two words. One is a Greek word. It's the word scandalon, and it means to bait something. And that word comes from a anim an animal trap that lifts up, and, a and bait is put here, and that little board is called the scandalon. And when that animal goes in and he takes that bait and he hits the scandalon, it closes. Scandalon is where you and I get our word scandal from. So what the Bible is saying is, you're crazy if you don't think that you might get caught up in a scandal. Offense is a scandal. The second word in the Bible for, for the word offense actually means a stumbling stone. So what Jesus is saying is there are going to be opportunities that could come, the enemy might send them, that you're going to keep stumbling over something, an offense, or you're going to get caught up in a scandal. And by scandal, I mean you're going to take the bait and you're going to get offended and it's going to feel like a scandal in your life. Or you're going to keep stumbling over it. It's going to weigh on your heart. It's going to weigh on your mind. It's going to weigh on your future. And really what an offense is, is you have an expectation of how someone should behave. And they either avoid your expectation, violate your expectation, 
abuse your expectation, neglect your expectation, and when that expectation is violated or avoided or abused, you get hurt, you get wounded, and that turns into an offense. And here's what we like to always think in the church world when we hear messages about offense. Well, they need to hear this. Such and such should hear this. They need to hear this. Well, I just want to tell you this morning, you need to hear this, okay? Don't you worry about who needs to hear this. We all need to hear this. So what Jesus was saying. You're crazy if you think there's not going to be an opportunity. You might today, before you get out the parking lot, have a chance to get offended at the parking lot guy. Because you didn't get to park where you wanted to, or someone cut you off in traffic, or God help us if you go through a drive-thru today and expect your drive-thru meal to be quick because they don't have enough people working in there or willing to work in there. Guess what? You have to wait. And when you do get your food, I'm like, it's not brain surgery people in there, but it never comes out right. Can you tell I have a challenge with being offended at the drive-thru? Every time I open it, I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, I'm just saying, Jesus knows this. And he didn't say, it's all right, just be offended, y'all. No, Jesus said, we got to be able to get victory in this. Well, that's just daily stuff. What if, it's an, what if it's an absolute violation of your expectation? What if the enemies buy it? And what if we're walking around so easily offended all the time? What if it... What if it leaks into our hearts and our lives and our churches, and it becomes a real spiritual challenge, a real spiritual force. And Jesus is saying, hey, we got to take care of this. Another scripture, Psalm 119, 165 says, there is such a great peace, and there is such a great well-being that come to people who love the word of God. Now, look what it says. They'll never be what? Okay, Jesus said you're going to have an opportunity, but you don't have to be offended. You don't have to stay offended. And he shows us a key here. If you really love the word of God, if the word of God is priority in your life, and we know Jesus and and the word are one, if the word of God is priority in your life, that's how you live, that's how you love, that's how you walk, that's how you operate, that's how you breathe then what the Bible is saying is what happens is you actually become mature. And there's this, there's this inward work that happens that it affects the outward. And the Bible guarantees that you'll be full of peace and you will prosper. So, whoa, 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 whoa. You're telling me the scripture says, if I love the word of God so much that I put my life under it, it's going to do a work in me that I can live in such a way that God blesses me and, and well-being means he prospers me. And then he gives me peace, and I won't be offended. That's telling me that what God, the way God wants us to live, live in such a way that I'm at peace. I have a peace in my life. Because, you know, the opposite of peace is torment. I can live in peace, and I can have prosperity in my life. I can have success in my, I can have God's blessing on my life. But we've got to love the word of God more than we do our offense and our anger and our bitterness and our hurt. I remember a, a friend of mine one time, he's actually been here and spoke, and he, he was somewhere and he, he went to speak at this event and 
basically, uh, God was really moving. They brought him in. They said, I just want you to flow and follow the Holy Spirit. And that's what he did. Well, they got offended at him and basically said, we don't want you to preach the rest of this, this event. And he was like, I'm out of here. And God stopped him. And God said, you can either take this test now and pass it, or you can take it again later. And so what he did was he didn't fly out. He stayed the last two, three days of that event and was just there supportive. Now, this, this church was wrong. I mean, they, they, they were in the wrong. And he had every right to be offended. They brought him in from uh, out of state, and he came and was going to be the speaker for their event. And he, he told me that story, and that, that's always stuck with me. Um, we can pass the test now, or guess what? We can re- retake it. There's only one thing worse than a test is the same test again. <laughs> How many love tests? If you were that weird kid in school that loved tests, that all the rest of us like, oh, you know, they, you know that one, don't, I hope you're not that person, but there was always that person. When's our test? When's our quiz? Oh, don't remind a teacher. There's a quiz or a test. Are you kidding? There's only one thing worse than a test. It's retaking the same test. Let's make some life points this morning. Number one, when you are unoffendable, you're truly free. When you are unoffendable, you are truly what? You're free. How many love free? Living in freedom, living in in peace. Because how many know the opposite of being free is being bound, being captive to something? Let me tell you where I got this from, Colossians chapter 3. Paul said, you are always and dearly loved by God. So robe yourself with the virtues of God. That's the standards of God, the characteristics of God. It actually means sink sink into the characteristics of God. Since you've been divinely chosen to be holy... Look at, look at these sentences. Be merciful as you endeavor to understand others. Now, it's challenging right now to understand people. But one of the characteristics of God is to understand people. And be compassionate, show kindness, be gentle, be humble. Oh, look at that word. Be, let's just skip that word. Be unoffendable in your patience with others. Tolerate the weakness, the weaknesses of those in the family of faith. Forgive each other in the same way that you've been graciously forgiven by Jesus. If you find fault with someone, release this same gift of forgiveness to them. For love is supreme and must, fo- must flow through each of these virtues. Love becomes the mark of what? True Maturity. Remember we just talked about being truly free? You know what that means? To be mature. Don't you want to be mature in Christ? You know how we really have a lot of immature believers? The only thing that grows you up is the word of God. You know, it's experiences. No. Experiences do not have to be your best teacher. The word of God is your best teacher. Our, our heart around here is that we, have, that we grow people up in the word. And the Bible says, if we sink into the characteristics of God, some things happen in our life. We take on mercy. And mercy helps us understand people better. 
We take on humility and kindness and compassion. It helps us be good to people. We take on, I love this, it says you'll be able to tolerate and forgive the weaknesses of others. It says be unoffendable. Unoffendable means we're just not given to offense. You know what it means? That we're able, we're able to flow with each other. We're really able to operate like a family because we're, we're blood, y'all. Because you know what? What happens a lot of time in churches, man, it used to really be like this. We love to judge people. We love to expose people. We love to take scripture and destroy people. It's not so much that way in church life anymore, but there was a time it was like that. When scripture tells us what we need to do is sink into the characteristics of of God, and we're going to have an understanding that none of us in this room are perfect. We're And we should have this way to tolerate each other's weaknesses. We should have this spiritual anointing that that we're able to have compassion to each other. Actually, the scripture says things like this, that, that the goodness of God brings us to repentance. And love covers a multitude of our mistakes. Now, that's not to give you a legal license to just go be offensive and to, to make mistakes. But that's just saying we, we should be helping each other along, covering each other, loving on each other, being merciful, being compassionate, being an encouragement to each other. That's what Scripture says. And the Bible says that when we are unoffendable or we're not easily given to offense, we're getting mature. And when you get mature, you're really free, free to live above offense. I don't look around, but some of us, let's do this, some of us are so easily offended about everything. Some people are just looking for an offense, just looking for a reason to gripe, looking for a reason to get offended, looking for a reason to be hurt, looking for a reason to get out of fellowship with each other. We should be doing everything we can to being connected, to being in fellowship, to being together, to being full of compassion, to being behind each other. Helping each other. That's how church should work. Someone say amen. So when you are unoffendable, you're truly free. Now, how many are there? You're like, now I'm so mature, I'm unoffendable. I've arrived. I'm going to tell you, the moment you think like that, something's going to happen. You're going to get offended and be like, I don't know anything. (laughs) But we want, how many know that wants to be our goal? We want to be grown. We want to be submitted to God until we're getting there. Let's keep building, okay? Here's my, my second life point. When you are the offender... What do you do? You authentically apologize. You know what? Sometimes it's not the other person. Just, just let me blow your mind for a moment. Sometimes it actually might be you. I know, hard to believe that you could offend somebody, right? Because you're so awesome and everything. But you could offend somebody. You could have a bad day. You, 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 could, be, you could be one that offends somebody. Actually, I will promise you that somewhere, sometime, somehow, you will probably offend somebody. Because we're all what? Human. And we can all be annoying. I annoy myself sometimes. <laughs> Actually, I offend myself sometimes. Now, what are we talking about this morning? Confrontation means what? Face-to-face. We live in a world that just it doesn't want to confront anything. My, my wife is so good at this, she specializes 
and, and just saying, we're going to talk about it. We're going to get it out there. I'm like, I don't want to talk about it. I feel no need to talk about it. Face to face. Wow, we're family, right? We want to do this church thing right. Can you all tell what I want is, is I want a healthy, maturing, full of God, full of the Spirit of God church. And it's impossible to think that things couldn't happen. Now, just let me let you in on a little secret. I don't know of anything happening, so this message isn't about something happening, but maybe something might try to happen, so we're going to get this. Don't just hear what I'm saying, do what I'm saying. Okay, here we go. So, oh, this is a good scripture. You ready? Matthew chapter 18. Ready to read through this one? Here we go. If your fellow believer sins against you, it doesn't say if he sins, but if he sins against you, what do you do? Well, look what the Bible says. Uh, you go to the person privately. You attempt to resolve this matter. If he responds, your relationship is restored. Every believer is called to restoration. Okay? All right, you didn't like that one. Let's read on. But, I mean, you know, sometimes there's a but there. But if his heart is closed to you, then go to him again. Take one or two people with you. Then you'll be fulfilling what the scripture teaches when it says every word is verified through the testimony of two or three witnesses. But then if he refuses to listen, share this issue with the congregation in hopes of what? Exposing him, right? No, what? Restoration. If he still refuses to respond, even to the church, then you must disregard him as though he were an outsider on the same level as an unrepentant sinner. Now receive this truth. Whatever you forbid on earth will be considered forbidden in heaven. Whatever you release on earth will be considered to be released in heaven. And I'm going to give you another eternal truth. If two of you agree and you ask God for something in symphony of prayer, my heavenly Father will do it for you. Because wherever two or three come together and they honor my name, I'm right there with them. We love to quote those final verses. But in context, what's going on here? Restoration. We love to quote, I bind it on earth so it's bound in heaven. We love to quote, if there are two or three touching and they agree, God's right there. But in context, it's encircled with a spirit of forgiveness. If there's not a spirit of forgiveness... According to scripture, you can't forbid and bind that thing. And according to scripture, if y'all can't agree and get restored, he doesn't show up in the midst of that. I know I'm teaching, you might have not heard it taught this way before. Now the Bible says, what if you're the offender? You've sinned against somebody. You've offended somebody. Well, what's the Bible say to do? Well, it says, firstly, you just go to them. One-on-one, go to them. Dude, sometimes I do stupid things. I'm sorry. I repent to you. How can I make this right? But the Bible says, what if they don't receive it? Then the Bible says you, you take one or two people with you. But it doesn't say you take one or two people that are on your side. I'm going to find someone else offended. Because you know what offended people always do? Find someone else that's offended. I've seen people in life that couldn't stand each other. They both got offended. Now they're, they're besties. I've seen it happen so many times. Like, you didn't even like them. You told me all your life you didn't like them. Now you're besties. The Bible calls that spirit of contention. 
And it says it leads to separation and it leads to sin. Everybody I've ever seen do that got off track. But it says go bring, go, go bring some. And what it means is find some mature people. That's, that, that's neutral. And just bring them say, Because the goal was what? Restoration. Restoration. Let's fix it. Then it says if they won't, still listen, get leadership involved. Let's just sit down. Let's fix this. Let's talk this out. What's the goal? Restoration. The Bible said if they buck all that, what do you do? Actually, the Bible says you just have to avoid. The Bible says you mark them. That doesn't mean literally go paint a big X on them and tell everybody about it. It just says you, you just need to watch that spirit. As leaders, we need to watch. We've had people, it's not you, so relax. We've had people, we've just had to watch. Because they could have a disruptive spirit, divisive spirit. So what do you do? We walked out, we said, you're out of here. No, we've never done that. We pray for restoration. Man, sometimes if they, we just pray, God, maybe there's a different place for them. But what is the spirit? What is the goal behind that? It's always what? Restoration. But you know what happens when restoration can occur? Authority works. Because then when you bind and you loose, what happens? It's bound and it's loose. You need to bind up that unforgiveness and you need to release forgiveness. You need to bind up that bitterness and release blessing. And then when you get in agreement, God can show up and God can do something. But we can restrain God. We can keep God out of the picture. We can do it in our, our friendships. We can do it in our relationships. We can do it in our marriages. We, what do we do? We, we're not together. We can quote that scripture all we want to, but there has to be an agreement. And sometimes agreement has to be, I repent. I am sorry. I, I authentically apologize. How can I fix this? Are y'all hearing me? It's quiet up in here today. All right, you ready for my, my last life point? Let me, let me read you another scripture before I, I get to that one. Ephesians says this. Look at this. Lay aside your bitter words. How many know when you feel a little offended by something, first thing you want to do is just, I'm just going to lay these words aside. I'm just going to, I'm just going to lay them aside. No, no you're going to like, someone needs to hear what I got to say. <laughs> they done did me wrong. And God has assigned me to tell everybody about it. No, it says, lay aside your bitter words. Now look, and your temper tantrums. Lay aside your revenge, your profanity, and your insults. And instead, be kind. Actually be affectionate toward one another. Now look at this. Man, has God graciously forgiven you? Really? We want to bring up your stuff that God forgave you of? We want to list it? We want to put that on the jumbotron? You know how we list those prayer requests? Next week, we're putting your stuff up there. <laughs> Me and Pastor Diane come up. We're going to make, and today, um, we're going to put Will's stuff on the screen. Oh, look at that. Hmm. <laughs> I'm joking. How graciously he's forgiven you then guess what you should do? Graciously forgive one another in the depths of Christ's love. This is why the disciples said, you have got to increase our faith. So what have we said so far? Y'all with me? Is this good? 
we've said, if you're unoffendable, you're, you're really true, truly free. Then we said, if you are the offender, you need to authentically apologize. Here's my last one. When you are the offended, graciously forgive. Graciously forgive. When you're the one that is offended, what do you do? Can I read you another scripture? I'm going to do it anyway. I don't know why I asked. Mark chapter 11. Now, this is the famous faith passage of scripture. And I want you to see what Jesus attached right in the middle of the most famous faith scripture. Jesus said, let the faith of God be in you. Listen to this truth that I speak to you. Whoever says to the mountain, y'all remember, y'all have quoted that one, right? Whoever says to the mountain with great faith, and they do not doubt, mountain, be lifted up, be thrown into the sea, and if he believes what he says will happen, it will be what? Done. This is the reason I urge you to boldly believe for whatever you ask for in prayer. Be convinced that you've received it, and guess what? It's yours. Didn't y'all like that song we say today? Believe for it. God said it, that settles it, I believe for it. Have some faith for it. What you believe, you receive. Believe you're healed, believe you're blessed, believe you're free, believe you're delivered. Believe and it's yours. It'll move a mountain. Mountain moving faith. Woo, thank you, the Holy Ghost is here. But let's read the next verse. And, and, when you see the word and, it means oh, also, have big faith. But whenever you're standing and you're praying, if you find that you carry something in your heart against someone, release them. Forgive them. So your Father in heaven will release you and forgive you of your faults. But if you will not release forgiveness, don't expect your Father in heaven to release you from your misdeeds. Right in the middle of the most famous passage on mountain-moving faith, Jesus said, <clears throat> and... Release it. Let it go. Forgive them. And we know this. Forgiveness means what? Let it go. It means release it. But do you know that in the Greek, it literally, literally means this. To give as an act of grace. Or give grace to remit a debt. Now, how many of you, let's just take a poll again. How many of you are so grateful for the grace of God? I mean, you would not be sitting here without the grace of God. You would not be breathing without the grace of God. How many, when you learned about the grace of God, it was liberating? It's literally what forgiveness means. Just like grace was a gift, it's a gift you give to forgive someone, to release them of debt. And in this passage of scripture, it's in the present tense, which means practice it, which means this is your lifestyle. We should be practicing this. And it's written in the middle voice, which means you have to participate in what he's saying. Je Jesus didn't say this to give you really good information. He gave you this revelation so it would transform your life. Have big faith. And attached to big faith has to be what? Big forgiveness. I wrote this down in my notes this way. I'm just going to read what I wrote because I want to say it this way. Relationships cause pain. They cause separation. It's easier to hold a grudge than it is to give forgiveness. How many know it's tempting to get even? Our first reaction isn't always to forgive, 
But it's a choice of faith to release that person and treat them as innocent. This is what Jesus said to do. And there is different types of forgiveness. There, there's, there's vertical forgiveness, which means forgiveness with God. Once again, how many are grateful that Jesus forgave you? That's vertical. Then there's horizontal forgiveness. That means we've, we, we're human and we forgive each other. The same forgiveness we have from God, we extend it horizontally. Now I'm going to blow your mind. Because a lot of times people will say this to you, and they mean it well. They'll say, you have to forgive yourself. You may have said that. Counselors may have told you that. I just want you to know something. That's not in the Bible. Stay with me. I'm going somewhere. Self-forgiveness is not in the Bible. Why? It's just a reminder we need someone outside of us to give us forgiveness. And we need that same grace and forgiveness that we extend to other people. Forgiveness depends on not just yourself. It depends on what you give someone else, what you receive from someone else. It takes Jesus is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, do you need to get over yourself and let some things go? Yeah, but it's not in the Bible. Self-forgiveness is not in the Bible. If self-forgiveness was in the Bible, there wouldn't be a cross. There wouldn't be a Golgotha. There wouldn't be a moment in the garden. There wouldn't be a, there wouldn't be a, a God's son that was sent that emptied himself to take on your sins and go on the cross. You need Jesus to be forgiven. And I'm going to tell you, you need Jesus to forgive some other people. You need more than therapy. You need more than a counseling session. If that helps work it out, go for it. But I'm just saying there's one greater than that. He is the counselor. He, he is the helper. We need him to help us forgive. The disciples realized that. Y'all didn't see that coming, did you? If we're making it a self thing, we're missing what Jesus taught. It's a Jesus thing. The only way I could forgive you for offending me is got to have some Jesus on it. Or I think I'm forgiving you until the next time it comes up in my mind and then I'm all offended again. Are y'all still with me? L listen to this. They did a survey. I'm almost done. They conducted a survey, 4 million believers in 6,000 churches over four decades. And they concluded the number one problem in churches is guess what? Unforgiveness. Bitterness is rampant, but forgiveness apparently isn't. Now, now, let, me, let me give you the, let me, let, let, me, let me share this with you real quick. Consequences of unforgiveness. I know what you're thinking. Well, I'm glad that person sitting down the road is hearing this. They need to hear this. My wife needs to hear it. My husband needs to hear this. You preach it. Preach it, pastor. No, you, how about you just say, what could I learn for a moment? What happens when we don't practice what Jesus commanded us to do, one, it grieves God. The very one that provided forgiveness for you. Yeah, if y'all want to snap a picture of that, you can. Uh, it, the one who provided forgiveness for you, the one who has the standard and virtue of forgiveness, it grieves him, and it starts to affect our fellowship with God. Have you ever... We call it first 30 around here. 
Actually, all of our staff, I tell them your first 30 minutes are with Jesus, not with us, they're with Jesus. You ever been doing your first 30, and all of a sudden, God, move that mountain. God, do that. Rearrange that. And in the background, somewhere, God's like, forgive that person. You need to forgive them. God, just move. Come right now. Bring the Holy Spirit. God. And in the background, God's like, and then you just feel numb. Because God's like, we can do that. That's, I'm the God of the impossible. But what's impossible to me is for you to let that thing go. Because it'll, it'll start to hinder your, your, how many have experienced that? You're just, and it's not on God's side, it's on your end. God just wants you to forgive. So it grieves God. Guess what else happens? It starts to dominate you. It starts to dominate you. Unforgiveness the Bible talks about, the, it gives the devil, the Bible calls it a foothold. There's this long Greek word, I won't try to pronounce it, but it's where we get our word topographic map from. We know a lot about that, where we live in this region, topographic maps where they drill for oil and it shows the, the elevations of the, of the mountains. And so um, topographic means a point. Unforgive, unforgiveness gives the devil a point in a believer's life, an open door, a foothold. And when he gets a foothold, he does what he does to a believer. He starts to torment them. And you'll be dominated by things like anger, bitterness, fear, hardened heart. They actually say, some people say 75 to 90% of illnesses deal with unforgiveness in our life. That's where they, where they come from. It'll dominate you. It'll, it'll torment you. Anybody ever been there? The last thing it does is it hinders your faith. It will hinder your faith. That's why Jesus, when he talked about mountain moving faith, said, and when you're shouting about the mountain, if you know you haven't forgiven somebody, um, let it go. Because it will dissolve your prayers. It will dissolve your own forgiveness. It, 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 it will dissolve the favor of God on your life. It was so serious that Jesus said, your faith will move a mountain, but you need to have some faith for forgiveness. I remember a, a few years ago, there's a person, and every time like it'd be the end of service, or it'd be kind of a real anointed, calm ministry end of a service, this one individual would come up and they would say to me all the time, I was so mad at you, but I forgave you. Like three months would go by, I was so mad at you, but I forgave you. He'd be like, that message was for me. I was so mad at you, but I forgave you. I'm like, if you have to keep telling me that you forgave me, guess what you haven't done? Forgiven me. And sometimes we don't, when we're the offended, we need to work it out to forgive. Because what if they never come back and say, I am so sorry. If you never get that, you still have to forgive. And it's a faith thing. I don't know about you, I want to live in freedom. Because freedom is not grieving God, being dominated by that thing, and my faith being hindered. I, I felt like God said this to me this morning. Well, listen to this sentence. I'll put it in my notes this morning. Offense is a feeling that you didn't choose. Offense is a feeling 
that you didn't choose. It's a result of someone abusing, violating, ignoring, avoiding your expectation. An offense is a feeling you didn't get to choose it. No one chooses offense. If my wife ever forgives me, I didn't choose that. If I ever forgive her, she didn't choose that. But we, we do things that creates this feeling of offense. Remember, it's a stumbling stone or it's a scandalous trap. That's not freedom to be trapped in that. And it's not freedom to keep stumbling over that. Now, you don't see it coming, but when you lay down at night or you're on your own, Offense is a feeling you didn't choose, but listen to this. Forgiveness is a choice that you're privileged to make. That's where I was expecting the room to up, to be in an uproar of amens. Offense was a feeling you didn't choose, but forgiveness is a choice that you're privileged to make. Because it means you're sinking into the virtues of Jesus. And you've heard this before. Unforgiveness means that Someone offended you, you won't forgive them. It's like you drinking the poison. Forgiveness really, it is for them. But man, it's also for you. And listen, I know cutting you off in traffic, driving into the church parking lot is not the end of the world. I get that. I'd be funny sometimes, but sometimes it's deeper than that. Sometimes there was a relative. Sometimes there was a church. Sometimes there was a situation. Sometimes there was your spouse. Sometimes there was your neighbor. Sometimes somewhere. And what I believe this morning is that we do business for a moment. Have you ever been driving your car and it's getting out of alignment? Normally you're just however you drive. Some people drive like this. <laughs> I saw a person driving the other day. They were on their cell phone, had a dog on their lap and a cigarette. They were all <laughs> I don't know how you're driving. But when you start to get out of alignment, you, you start here, and it just pulls you a little bit. But if you don't get that fixed, it's fighting that thing all the time. You know what forgiveness does? It gets us back in alignment with God gets us back in alignment with others. It gets us back in alignment. So what I'd like to do is liberate you. Because you've been trapped by that offense. You have been captive to that offense. How do you defeat a spirit? opposite spirit the Bible said very clearly the person that offends you the Bible actually says well that calls them an enemy it says pray for them bless them and do good to them you know how you break that spirit if you listen just be real if you know man that that's a spirit that just it's in my family it's really in my life sometimes the Bible says you keep praying for them you keep blessing them and do good because here's why I remember several years ago when we were going through all that stuff as a church, and I'm trying to handle it right, but we're hurting, trying to be a leader, but we're hurting, things are being, all this stuff. 
Pastor Diane and I were at a, a conference that didn't have anything to do with that. And the pastor got up, actually got to have a good relationship. They, they gave us some good counsel. Um, he went through it twice. And he said what God told him was to pray for the person that offended him. And then bless them. I'm like, that works for you. <laughs> and I, I just, I, I knew that's what I needed to do. And I wasn't real excited about it. I'll be honest with you, my first prayer was, bless them. Get them, God, if you want to, but bless them. Because it was a faith thing. But somewhere the bless them God turned into God, just bless them. God, do something good in their life. Because here's, here's how that works. When you do that, the one thing the devil doesn't want to do is bless you or them. So when you're praying a blessing on their life, finally the devil's going to leave you alone. He's just going to be like, they keep praying. Every time I mess with them, every time I bring it up, they just keep blessing someone. Every time I stir it up, they're, 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 it's like they're unoffendable. <clears throat> what I'm not preaching to you is that someone won't do something and it will hurt your feelings. Because let's face it, if you didn't care about it or them, it would be no big deal. But you care because you love them, you care about them, you care about God's house, you care about those things, so it could become offensive. But don't let it because it will grieve God, it will dominate you, and it will hinder your faith. And people have, let's just be real, people around here have split churches, have set out of church, have gotten out of fellowship. Why? Because of this spirit. And in the name of Jesus, it has no residency in this house. I would like to see the freedom and the peace and the power of God. Remember, what starts in a church affects us the region. Well, let's let peace, forgiveness, love, and power affect our region. I, I, I'm not responsible for other houses. I'm responsible for this house. We're just going to do this right. We're going to do this healthy. I'm just going to tell you, though, something will stir you up. I will probably offend you in some way. Someone will offend you in some way. Let's get unoffendable. Let's get unoffendable. Let's get unoffendable. Doesn't mean it won't hurt. Let's work through some stuff. When the, when the thoughts come, I've been there when the thoughts come. What do you got to do? You, you got you to transform and renew that mind. You got to override those thoughts. You got to, how do you answer those? You speak something. When those thoughts go to cut, you keep going, well, God forgive them. God bless them. It'll shut those thoughts off. It'll shut them down. God do something awesome in their life. God do something. Just bless them. Though they don't deserve it. I didn't say they deserve it. Neither did you. Neither do you or me. So. Here's what we're going to do. Let's stand to our feet. This is really, really important, okay? Really, really important. We're, we're, we're going to do a song. We're going to come, but we're going to do communion. But before we get to communion, we got to fix something this morning, okay? Uh, on the stage are cards and there are pins. Here's what I'm asking you to do. And you might think, well, I forgave that. But, but you might need to write it down. Here's what I did. On Thursday, I dug a hole on the property. It was hot, sweaty. I did it for you. I, I, I went and I dug a hole. There's only one other person who knows where this hole is. And they're going to go bury this this morning. 
I don't want you to know where it is because you need to bury it in forgetfulness. You need to bury it in, you don't need to know where it's at. You know why? Because I don't want you to go back to it. I know you're not going to go search for it, but it's just symbolic. So we're, we're, we're going to, I want you to just step out as we're doing this song, write on that paper. Don't take forever. Don't write like everything they did to you. I'll tell you what, 1979, 19, just put their name. Two weeks ago, that same person got the same haircut I did. They wore the same dress to church. That's the devil. I don't, that's not what I'm looking for. I'm looking for just fold it up, put it in this garbage can. My good friend Jimmy is going to go bury this at the end of the service. Then we'll come up and we'll do communion together. And I believe God's going to do something this morning. I believe God's going to set something free this morning. I believe God's going to liberate. I believe God's going to deal with that spirit. And how you deal with the spirit? The opposite. Do the opposite. And if you have to, just because you throw it in this can doesn't mean when you drive out of here, it's not going to be like, hello, I'm back. No, you, at that moment, you speak over it. You kill a spirit with the opposite spirit. Are y'all hearing me? Are y'all hearing me? I think Todd was right. There's an accusational offensive spirit. Was. Not here. Not here. Not here. If, if Christ is supreme, then his power, his love, and his forgiveness is so. Don't write a book. Just write down what? Throw it in that can. Don't show anybody. Don't wave it. Don't go to somebody later and be like, I put your name. Your name's on that card. I buried it. Just saying, I forgive you. It was bad what you did to me. I buried it. No, don't say anything. Unless you, if you're the offender, then you go, right? <laughs> Father, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you, God. We thank you.